Welcome in, episode seven of Four Score the Podcast. Andrew May alongside Rob Jufray with you on this Tuesday night, February 11th. A lot of stuff to unpack and get into tonight. Not necessarily with games, but some rule changes possibly in the MLB, some technological advancements and changes in the NHL. We'll also dive into the Knicks as well. So a lot on the plate for tonight. We'll start off with the baseball. And Joel Sherman from the New York Post, Rob, writes an article yesterday And he talks about how the MLB is plotting a playoff expansion. And the headline of the article, MLB plotting a playoff expansion with a reality TV twist. So right away reading the headline, I'm like, okay, what is this all about? Probably not going to be a fan. So the MLB is weighing a move from five to seven playoff teams in each league. So right now there's obviously the three division winners and then the two wildcard teams who play in a one-game play. And now they're looking to expand to seven teams in each league which would make 14 out of the 30 teams. I don't know if a mathematician is is one of your skills, Rob, but that's 47% of the teams in the big leagues that would be making the playoffs. And what they're attempting to do, and and stay with me because it's a little complex, it's a little difficult to follow, the team in each league with the best record would have a bye week in the first round of the playoffs. And what would happen is the team with the second best record, which would in essence be the top seed in the first round, being that the one seed has the bye, would be able to pick which opponent they would want to play in round one of the playoffs, and it would be a best-of-three series, and then the team with the third-best record would then in turn pick one of the two remaining opponents they would like to play, vice versa. And then once the teams are weeded out in round one, then it would go back to the traditional AL and NLDS, AL and NLCS. And uh, part of this plan is to have a television program the night that the season, that the regular season ends, with representatives from each team that would be playing in the first round uh, announcing which teams they wanted to pick on live TV, kind of how the college football playoff has their little committee reaction panel or whatever you want to call it to announce which four teams are going to make the college football playoff, kind of like the bracketology show that uh, ESPN has when they announce the 64 teams that make the NCAA basketball tournament. This is what the MLB wants to do. Now, The TV deal that they have with Fox that gives them exclusivity to air the World Series, the two championship series, and a portion of the AL and NLDS, that runs through to 2028. But their deals with ESPN and TBS both run out in 2021. And that's when the collective bargaining agreement is up. They think that they could bring in this new revamped playoff system, which would have to be collectively bargained, and it would be ready by 2022, which ultimately would lead to having a more enticing and lucrative television deal with these two networks. Rob, don't even get me started. I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin about how I feel about this. Um, well, I don't know I don't know whether the I don't know what's more ludicrous, turning it into a reality television series, announcing which teams you want to play, um, allowing 47% of the league to get into the postseason. Uh, I I just don't know. I, I don't know. I think the MLB has had incredible success with the way they changed it. What is this? 2012 was the first year the play-in game for the wild card was enacted. And I think they've had pretty good success with it. And here they are trying to change it again to cater to an audience that's never, frankly, going to watch baseball to begin with. So I, I don't understand why they're even attempting this. Well, listen, before we even get into this, I always tell you people have to be transparent, right? I always say it, teams, owners general managers, players, be transparent and honest. And now I need to be transparent about something here, my friend. I appreciate the transparency. Lay it on me. It's been brought to my attention by a few people, and I really never discussed it with Andrew until 
he got a text from a friend of mine the other day last week about me banging on the table during a podcast. So my friend Tommy texted Andrew because I kind of put them in contact with each other because he's doing a couple of favors for Andrew. He's nice enough to do it. And he basically used some nice, not nice words about me, about banging on the table. So Tommy would have to be considered the whistleblower at this point right now, only because I have to admit the banging on the table, actually I have a device stuck on my chest. And I have a little wire inside my headset that we wear for this podcast. I have a guy outside in a van. So when I bang on the table once, it signals into the van. And that means I need stats on somebody. And I get the stats right through the headset. I bang on the table twice. I need maybe a topic change. And he leads me into another topic. So that's why I'm banging on the table, Tommy. And don't forget, the three bangs is for the so, pronunciation of a name. I, I, I went to the podcast commissioner. I'm okay. He said, as long as you come out and admit what you've been doing, you've been cheating on the podcast. So no more banging on the table for me, a la Houston Astros. And the Mets ended up with egg on their face and the Mets, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and the Mets, yeah, the Mets got blamed for it. But anyway, that being aside, and we can get rid of the uh, table banging controversy because now, as Andrew's looking at me, I got my arms crossed. Okay, so I'm not going to be banging on any tables. No banging tonight. Yeah, I'm. Listen, going back to what you were just saying, Andrew, what you opened up with. I'm a traditionalist again. I always say it. But I do understand why Major League Baseball is headed this way. They're trying to keep interest with everybody for a full 162-game season, keep teams involved. Uh, so I do get that part of it. Do I like it? No, absolutely not. It Does it cheapen the regular season? I think somewhat. Yes, it does. The whole gimmick of this reality show now in which the teams are going to be on TV, evidently, and they're going to be picking the or choosing the the, two, the division winner or the team with the best records are going to pick the team that they want to play. I, it, does that? I mean, that's just all gimmick. Yeah. No. Is that where we need to go now it's in not, sports? It's not where with we gimmicks? need to go at all. It's not. Is this is what we need to do now I, to, to what sell the game. This is what we need. I mean, it, it, again, I get it. I get the extra wild card teams. I understand that. You're trying to keep interest. Again, I do not agree. But this whole idea of a team picking and, and choosing who they want to play in that next round is absolutely absurd. I, I think I'd like to sit down with the commissioner's office and just kind of just kind of let them know how much stupidity is involved in this, in this playoff format change or, or proposed change. The whole point... And you can read Joel Sherman's article in depth. He does a great job covering baseball for the New York Post. You can read his article in depth about all the all the minute details about how this system would work. But the main reasoning he stated behind this change was that they wanted to make the regular season more enticing and they wanted to prevent teams from tanking or discourage tanking. To me, it, it does the opposite. Now I think the regular season is is less meaningful because you there, there's such a high chance to make the playoffs, and I think other small market teams, it's just it just further drives home the point that you don't have to spend money because look, forty seven percent of the teams make the playoffs. You can get away with shedding payroll and you could still get by. It enables what the Jeff Wilpon and Fred Wilpons of the world do on a year to year basis. 
It's okay. Being okay is good enough because 14 out of 30 teams are going to end up making the playoffs. It's asinine. Listen, you want to change the playoffs. You want to make it more enticing. You want to add more teams, add more theatrics and excitement. I'm fine with it. But the reasoning behind this playoff change, it's just mind-boggling because I think it does the exact opposite. I'm in the same boat with you about the reality TV show. You know, you get people from all over the world to tune in to the college football committee selection show. You want to know why that is, Rob? You know how many institutions play at the Division One level? How many fans of the sport you have? There's, I, I, you know, baseball is not a sport like that. If your team is not in it, some people might not watch baseball. If the if you're a Yankees fan and the Yankees aren't in the postseason, which doesn't happen often, but if they're not in the postseason, you might not tune in as much. College football is, you know, I, I probably know, I can name 50 of my friends who watch college football religiously and don't have a favorite team. That's just the nature of that sport. Same thing with the basketball. But when you have a sport like baseball where you're zoned in on one particular team, this reality show is not going to do anything. Not to mention the headache that it's going to cause. Hey, Rob, what happens if the Mets make the postseason? They have the second best record. They have their first pick of who their opponent's going to be. And they pick the Colorado Rockies. And the Colorado Rockies beat them in a best of three series. Yeah. How many questions? Well, why did you pick the Rockies? Why right. did you do that one? It, it sets you up for scrutiny. And it creates you know. the bulletin board material right. for the team that you picked. Right. You know, it's just, it's, it, it, it's a ridiculous concept. That's all I got to say about it. I, I, I don't like it. I get it. I don't like it. And that's it. I, I, they're going, it's going to happen. I just hope it happens. You know, okay. Add the extra wild card teams. Just get rid of this other dopey gimmick of picking and choosing who you want to play, please. You know, this isn't this isn't fifth grade. We're in the schoolyard. You're picking and choosing the kids you want on your stickball team. I mean, come on. Is this what we're getting down to? Do, do you really need this? Does baseball need that? Again, I get it. I, you want to see maybe Mike Trout have a shot out of playoffs. You want to see maybe uh, the Oakland A's, uh, you know, in the playoffs. You want to see Tampa in the playoffs more often. You, you want to see teams like that, Cincinnati or whoever. But, to, you know, these gimmicks, just get rid of the gimmicks. Add the teams, whatever. I'll have to, everybody will have to deal with it. Like I said, the traditionalists don't want to, but you could do that. Just don't do the gimmick part of it, please. It's a reality show. It's stupid. And one more thing that Joel Sherman wrote in the article as well was that one of the main proponents of enacting this change is due to the fact that the wild card game right now is is it's a play-in game it's one game sudden death right and they're thinking that no team's playoff fate should be decided by one game okay you know what you do go back to the format you had before where there's no two wild card teams where it's just one but wait a second you're determining your fate over a 162 game season <laughs> so if it's one game that. So be it. But you're determining your fate through a 162-game season. I believe that's enough games to determine what your fate will be. So, you know, that's that's a BS excuse. It's a BS excuse. And if it's one game, it's one game. So be it. It's like the NCAA tournament. Survive and advance. Like what Jim Valvano used to say. Survive and advance. Survive that game then. You get your best pitcher going, give yourself a chance. So be it. That's it. It's a 162-game season. It's more than enough to determine your fate. So it's it's you know it's a it's a stupid thing to say. If it's one game, I don't I don't mind the one game. I think the one game is exciting. And if that determines your fate, so be it. It determines well, yeah, your yeah, fate. Yeah, exactly. What's what's more enticing to viewers who don't have a horse in the race? 
a one-game sudden death game or having a 78-win team in the playoffs Good because point. you expanded yeah. the field. Good point. And I don't know if you're going to get a 78-win team in the playoffs because it seems like you do have your 80, you know, 82, 83, 84, 85 plus teams that don't make the playoffs. You know what's interesting though? Did you see uh, Baseball Prospectus came out with their projections on someone, and they had the Mets projected to win the division at 88 wins. They had the Mets come in second in the division with 88 wins last year, too. They and had they had them winning this year in a tougher division. Yeah, where every team's pretty. Even the Marlins. It, it, they're a better team than they were last year, even though maybe they win 65, 68 games this year, but they right. seem like they're a little bit more of a better team they you know on paper. Well, you gotta but, figure that you gotta figure that the Nationals are probably gonna take a step back. Not having Rendon is a huge blow for them. The Phillies yeah, But the I, Stalin I, Castro was a little bit of an under the radar signing. I, there. We we said that yeah, on the It's an under episodes. the radar so signing. He had a great second half last year. It's a little bit of a he's listen, he's not gonna do what Rendon did. We know that, but they still have the pitching. They have some good young talent, uh, so you know they'll be tough. I guess they're expecting the whole division to beat up on each other. Maybe is that what they're expecting? Because well, uh, eighty-eight the, wins, Andrew, is is a low figure you for know, a division winner. For a division winner. Well, and I thought the Braves would be the overwhelming favorite to win the division again, and they I, had the Braves at what eighty-four wins. I, was I it? think the issue with the Braves is that is their pitching. I mean, they added Cole Hamels, right, to go along with Freed and Fultinowitz and. So don't you forget know, about Soroka and, and Soroka, the but one. these are young, these are young kids that really, you know, it could go, especially with Freedom Fultinowitz, Soroka probably has more of a ceiling, but with Freedom Fultinowitz is, you know, they, it could go either way with those guys. So maybe they're, you know, that's what they're looking at when they're projecting the Braves like that. I mean, and you got the Phillies who, who won 81 games last year. They got mm-hmm. rid of Gabe Kapler, who I thought was a horrendous manager. Yeah, better brought manager. in Girardi. Brought in D.D. Gregorius. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a healthy Andrew Zach, McCutcheon. Zach Wheeler. 162 Zach Wheeler. games. Zach Wheeler's another one. And you know who they just signed, who you know is going to have a great season. Anthony Swarzak. Anthony Swarzak. <laughs> they, they He'll wind up him. being the closer. It's, yeah, exactly. So I, I think the division mm. is going to be tough. Like you said, 88 is a low figure for a division win. Yeah, that's a weird figure when I've seen it. And how I've many, how many games did the Braves win last year? 90, 95? 95, I think it was. Yeah, they were in the mid-90s. So 95, you, you yeah. expect them to take that big of a You're step You're talking back? about an 11-game plunge? Just because, I mean, the only notable loss they had was Donaldson. Yeah. But they added Ozuna. They added Hamels. I, the Ozuna, the Ozuna uh, contract won yet $18 million. That was a great deal for the Braves. One year at eighteen million for Ozuna. But they did the same thing with Donaldson last year, yeah. right? One year yeah. twenty five that they yeah. gave him. Yeah, and Ozuna's younger. I, that that was a really really good. It was actually surprising, Andrew. Right, one year eighteen million for Ozuna. Even Yasiel Puig is out there. And you know what the Braves do yeah, every single weird... season? That's so strange to me. They continue to get Nick Marquez on one year deals yeah. every year, and it continues to produce, and yeah. he kills the Mets all, all the time. Like Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman does. Oh, my God. Acuna, Albies. Oh, my they God. Acuna. Yeah, Acuna, Albies. You know, they got a good team. They have a good team. It's Again, it's their pitching. It's it's going to be their, their rotation. Um, you the know, back end of that bullpen's a question mark, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it is with a lot of teams. But, yeah, their bullpen, too. But to take an 11-game plunge, wow. Very strange. I have to read more into that. Why exactly they right. they think they're going to take an eleven game plunge like that? Well, but. they they made some moves at the deadline that didn't really pan out. I mean, they brought in Shane Green and he was awful since he went to Atlanta. Uh, Melanson took a while for him to figure it out. They oh they also signed um, 
What's his name? The reliever from Houston. Why am I blanking on his name? Will Harris. Oh, they Will Harris. Will yeah. Will Harris, too. Yeah. Well, you know, Harris is a little bit of an older guy. He's 35 now. Um, but for a know, team he, whose pitching is yeah, their only weakness. I, I know. I know. I, I'm not a big Will Harris guy. And, you know, he's okay. And his, num- his numbers look a lot better than what he actually pitches. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think. I think, to tell you the truth, they're probably better off with Swarzak than Will Harris. But. I don't think that's going to make it. I don't think that's going to, you know, it, it, it's it's going to make them that much more of a better bullpen with Will Harris. Their, their lineup is is what's going to carry them for the most part. And then whatever they can get out of their rotation after Soroka, Cole Hamels, what is he, 36, 37 now? Yeah. You know, he could still, you know, he's still going to give you innings. There's, so it'll be a tough division. The the Mets were 88, 88 wins and they were the second winningest team in the National League, I believe. Right. Yeah, they have they have the Reds projected to take the Central at eighty six wins. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So and the Reds made a, a lot of improvements too. too. They, did. they did make a lot of improvements. They the did. Reds, the, Red, the Reds are uh, again the Reds last season. I thought had a good lineup and it was going to come down to their pitching. Now they made some improvements to their lineup. Signing Mustakis was a real good move for them, and that rotation is starting to come together. I mean, you have Trevor Bauer. You have Luis Castillo. Sonny Gray. That's a really good one-two punch. Sonny Gray got out yeah. of the New York market. They got he a good team. To regaining, be, be regaining form. They got a really good team, Cincinnati. And don't forget, the back end of that bullpen is pretty good, too. Iglesias you know, they, they is They signed Mustakis. They signed Castellanos. So right. they got, Castellanos yeah. they yeah. got, too. Yeah. That's yeah. a good team. That's going to be a tough yeah. division between Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Cincinnati. And I don't, you know, I think the Cubs had a down year, but they could be in the mix too. Yeah, I, the I would Cubs never count. Be in the mix. I would never count the Cubs out. Talent. End of the year. You know, I, I think the I think the Pirates might lose 100 games this year, though. Yeah, the Pirates. You know, they're in a they're always in a perennial rebuild. It seems like over the last few years. So, but you know, I'd like to get into the Knicks a little bit, only because they got me shaking my head again. When are you gonna uh, learn? Uh, you know. When you are never, you gonna learn? You never to learn just, as a to fan just, of a, of to a just team. Stop paying attention. You to don't these ever guys. learn. You never learn. But. I do, you know, it, it's it's reported, you know, it looks like it's it's Leon Rose to take over the basketball, daily, uh, basketball operations as president of the New York Knicks. And again, it, it leads me to think that the Knicks still somehow don't get it. They don't get it. You, you tried this with Fisdale a couple of years ago because, you know, he had so many relationships with players around the league. And... That never panned out, obviously. And I don't care what anybody says. They did not hire David Fisdale for his coaching acumen. There's no way. Because he coached 104 games at Memphis, proceeded to get fired after, you know, 30 games or whatever the hell it was. And the same thing with Nick, with the Knicks. He coached, uh, you know, a, a, a one full season and then a quarter of another season where he got fired. So it wasn't his coaching acumen. It was pretty much the fact that they thought he had relationships with guys like Durant and Kyrie Irving, and we've seen how that panned out. And again, the Knicks go after Leon Rose, who, you know, from all things being aside, is a great agent and has great relationships with a lot of these players. But it doesn't mean they're going to come to Madison Square Garden. First of all, these guys aren't even free agents. Secondly, you're not making trades for these guys unless they're on a terrible contract, which you're going to get stuck with. So, you know, it just, it, it dumbfounds me. And then the hiring of, of Steve Stout and, and his company to rebrand and redefine the Knicks 
Andrew, let me ask you a question. It, when you turn on a Nick game, do you see any empty seats there? No. There's no empty seats, right? Never, never. So why would you need to rebrand a team that pretty much has sucked for the last 20 years and yet draws 18-5? You rebrand them for what reason? To try and bring players here? Well, if you're going to rebrand the team, then you better rebrand the owner because the reason why these players don't come is because of the owner. So maybe you could dress up the owner in a little ballerina outfit, sit him up front at, 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 at you know where he takes his seat behind the net. And maybe put Snuffleupagus next to him or some Muppet and, you know, make him look all cheery and everything. I, it's it's so stupid that they bring this guy in to rebrand a team that has a fan base that's energized no matter what the team looks like. We, how they play. We said this a couple it, episodes ago. It just and, and wait, then this guy proceeds. Steve Stout goes on ESPN first take. And announces that the fact the fact that oh the Knicks are gonna make coaching changes. What? <laughs> so you're hiring this guy to redefine the brand of your team, and this guy takes it upon himself to go on first take this morning and announce the fact that the Knicks are gonna be making coaching changes, and which the Knicks now just put out a statement saying that they didn't endorse his comments. Good job. Once again. Good job going backwards again. Every time you try to make a move, it's always the wrong move. And evidently, they're, they're looking at, first of all, they're, they're, they're reporting that you know, because Calipari has a relationship with him and he has a relationship with Worldwide West, uh, that Calipari might coach his team. Calipari has denied it. Why would Calipari want to coach here when he That's basically he basically coaches a one-year draft class and all these kids get drafted into the first round? He's making a gazillion dollars, Andrew. Why would he want to leave Kentucky and they asked to Kev, come to they the asked Knicks? Kevin Knox about it today, and Kevin Knox was like, nah, he's pretty sold on staying. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not going to come. Anywhere. He, he's not going to come. Even though David Falk yesterday went on with uh, Maggie and Moose, and he said he doesn't care what Calipari says. He goes, don't be surprised if Calipari is coaching the Knicks next year. Yeah, sure. Uh, whatever. Yeah. But you know what? Just get the right guy. I've heard that they, you know, Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, who a few years ago, I would have loved to have him come back. I don't think that would be the right coaching hire at this point for the Knicks right now. You also heard Tom Thibodeau, who used to be a, an assistant coach on the Van Gundy, when Van Gundy was coaching the Knicks, was another uh, a rumored guy to be coming here. But how about the fact that this interim coach, Andrew, Mike Miller, has done a pretty good job. See, that this is what, this is what, this is what confuses me. Not confuses me. It more like it more so just aggravates me. It's because pick a direction in which you want to go. You have people reporting that they want to get Calipari. I've even heard some rumblings about maybe try to get Rick Pitino here. That'll never happen. No, either. God, no. But I Mistake. you hear all these rumblings of Thibodeau, of Van Gundy, of Mark Jackson, of all these guys, and then in the same breath, the same people will murmur. But Mike Miller's done a tremendous job. He's got to stay on the staff. He has. There's mo- there's multiple problems with that. One, if he's doing a good job, maybe give the guy a chance. Two, he's done a good enough job to stay on the staff. So you're going to bring in a new head coach and not allow him to pick his own staff? It, does, it makes no sense whatsoever. And to your point about Steve Stout, <laughs> rebranding. Win! Right. Win games. Win. You got 18-5 in the building every single night. You know, this whole thing is stemming from, and I don't know if you heard this, 
Kevin Durant did an interview on Hot 97. Oh, no, earlier I this had season. enough of Kevin Durant. And he's, Why don't they just take the $41 million and stuff it up his ass? <laughs> Seriously, I, I really had enough of him. This guy talks and talks and talks and talks. And he continually talks. And you know what? Stay out of the Nick business. Stay out of anybody's business except for your own and the and the, and the Nets. Shut up, Kevin Durant. But I'm that's, seriously that's, sick of that that's guy. That's what the Knicks are responding to, though. His comments that said the Knicks aren't cool. This is why they hired Steve Stout. The, the Knicks don't need to be re- rebranded to become cool. They need to win games. You right. think if Brooklyn was a 12-win team last year that both of those guys would have went over there? No. Brooklyn has a nice, cool vibe to them. But if they were only winning 15 games, they're not going to go there. They were a playoff team last year. The winning is what makes that whole vibe around that team cool. I'll admit it. I don't have a horse in the race. I'm not a Nets fan or a Knicks fan. But I will admit, right now, Brooklyn does have a little bit of a cooler aura around them than the Knicks do because they're newer. Uh, it's the the print that's on the court, like that the the heron bone print that's on the court. Yeah, just which looks I hate. More, oh my god, it, it, I it hate just, that. It looks a little bit. But more don't you think Andrew, if the Knicks if the Knicks were seven games over 500 right now, you think the Nets would look cool right now? They would not look cool. They look. They that's, would look exactly my, what they look but like. But that's my point. Just another team in New York. That's and my point. Win games, that's and it. then you'll become cool. The Nets would not have been cool if they weren't winning games. The Knicks are not cool because they're not winning games. If you start showing some promise, as Rob said, in an arena that's packed out regardless of the circumstances, I mean, hell, we spent 10, 15 minutes on a prior episode talking about how for the Knicks, we don't need championships. Just... Just snag an eight seed. Right. And New York would go ballistic. Andrew, people were calling up the other day on, on all over the radio stations after they won four in a row. And they nearly won that fifth game against Atlanta. Double which, OT. Yeah, yeah, double OT. They had an eight-point lead in the first overtime. And they blew it. But, you know, they could have had five in a row. And they would have been four and a half out of a playoff spot. Right. And people were calling in like, Yahoo, you know, we could get that eight seed. And everybody was ecstatic <laughs> if they would have won 29 games and made the eight seed. So that's all you need. You just need to be mediocre and make the playoffs for the next couple of years. That's all you need to all you need to do for the New York Knicks. And people would be pumped. They'd be pumped just to see a playoff that's series. That's all you need. So the rebranding thing is so stupid. LeBron James comes out. Oh, the Knicks made the... You shut up to LeBron James. You know, everybody loves to talk about the Knicks, but nobody wants to come here and play. So then shut your mouths. And I and I know I briefly, I briefly kind of hinted towards this in an earlier episode, but I think it's notable. And it goes back to the original point you made about Fizdale, about how he wasn't necessarily brought in for his basketball acumen. It was to try to get those big stars here. And... It's not it's not Fizdale's doing that nobody came here because the minute Fizdale was out of a job, where was he hanging out? He was hanging out at Sierra Canyon High School watching LeBron James' son yeah. play with LeBron. Yeah. So he's tight with yeah. these superstar players. Yeah. They're not coming yeah. here for another reason. You know what that reason might be, yeah. Rob? The owner. <laughs> it's the owner. Bingo. We've said it a million times. Ding, it's ding, not, ding, ding, ding. So it's not a rebrand of the organization maybe somebody maybe maybe hire a psychological therapist for James Dolan. I don't know. I, I Again, the guy puts out money. He will he will put out money. He treats a lot of uh, the Oakley thing aside, which was probably both of their faults. Uh, so, but the Oakley the Oakley thing aside, you look at guys like John Stocks, Allen Houston, Larry Johnson, all these guys. They they all come back. They all basically work. They're all they're all salary employees for the Knicks. He doesn't forget about these guys. Uh, Latrell Sprewell, all these guys. They all love Dolan. They all loved them. So the, the organization, you know, they treat you first class. Whether or not you don't like the owner as a human being, fine, I, whatever. But 
why people don't want to come here, the only reason is got to be the owner, and that's it. That's it. Period. Stop. And 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 having a, a marketing agency or whatever you want to call it to rebrand them, you got to understand. And Steve Stout worked for the Nets at one point. His his company worked for the Nets to rebrand them. It wasn't to attract players. It was to attract fans. I mean, they were moving to a new location, a team that was at the basement of the league and going to a new arena and a new city, and they were able to create that vibe with the colors and everything. The Knicks don't do that. The Knicks, they play at the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, in the heart of New York, as bad as the Knicks have been for the past 20 years. I still go out on a limb and and go as far as to say that this is a Knicks town. If you listen to sports radio at any point during the day, whether you listen to afternoon drive or morning drive, or you listen to overnights, it does not matter. If the host on air utters the word Knicks, the phone lines explode. This is a Knicks town. You don't need to rebrand yourself to the fans. The fans are here. They always will be here. And that agency is not going to cater to players. Players don't give a damn. You win, maybe I'll come there and play. You show some promise. You show that you're an organization that's not inept and is run with class from top to bottom with intelligence and you do things the right way. Then maybe players will be attracted, but that doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. Hopefully, Leon Rose can right the ship. Hopefully, he brings in a general manager that's able to to run the team or show some semblance of intelligence when running the team. But as long as Dolan is at the top, again, I say this all the time, Rob. Whenever you witness dysfunction with an organization, it's a trickle-down effect from top to bottom. It always is. The Wilpons, you know, we, we, we have them here in New York. We got two of them. And you see it with the Jets, too, with the Johnsons. It's the same way. Did you, right. It's the same way. It's a trickle-down effect from top to bottom. You notice how the Red Sox were one of the, not, I wouldn't say a laughing stock, but the Red Sox were cursed and could never win a World Series, and they sold the team. And since John Henry took over, how many championships have they won, Rob? Yeah, no, I, listen, again, you're right. It, it, it trickles down from ownership all the way down. You know, so how did Knicks handle this? Maybe Leon Rose is the right hire, but, you know, here's the bottom line. Is he going to find the, the Fred Van Vliet's of the world and the Pascal Siakam's of the world? Because it's going to be about drafting players out of the college. The right. Knicks have a lot of draft capital. And again, like I said the, the last couple episodes, there's no free agents coming out there until Giannis comes out. And they're not going to sign him either. He's not going anywhere in Milwaukee. He's pretty set up well over there. Unless unless he wants to challenge the city. Who the hell knows? I don't know. But there's really nobody else coming out. So it's going to be... It's going to be your development, uh, uh, you know, coming out of college. So now can you pick these players? Are you going to pick the right general manager to find these players? That's what it's going to be about. You have to pitch, pick the right scouting development and uh, scouting staffs and things like that to, to look at these players because look at Toronto's team. I mean, Toronto just won what, 13 in a row, 14 in a row? 14 in a row. Yeah. 14 in a row. And, and, and Ka- after losing Kawhi after Leonard. After losing Kawhi Leonard. And yet they're still... You know, because they found talent. They, they they got no big superstars there that went there after after Kawhi after Kawhi left. Yeah, that's it. They really didn't replace him at all. So look at that team that they got. Why? Because they drafted well. Fred Van Vliet was an, an undrafted free agent. So you know, they find these guys. Siakam's a superstar. Siakam's a superstar. He's the twenty seventh pick of the draft. He's a superstar from New Mexico yes. State. Yes. That's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. And Nick to. Nurse, you know where he, you know who he was coaching before they won the year before they won the title. No, go ahead. He was coaching in the G League. Oh, the G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that's it. You that's you you got to have these guys find this sort of talent. So and before they made the trade for Kawhi Leonard, their big superstar was DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan. Again, yeah. Not not a not a top 3 pick. No, no. Kyle Lowry's still there. So and I, I and I've never been too high on Kyle Lowry, but he's no. still a good player. Good player. Still a good player. He's a good player. That's what it comes down to. Good and they player. have the capital. And and I, I heard a lot of people talking about Masai Ujiri. I, I don't I don't think that was feasible because in no. order to get him from Toronto, you would have had to give up draft picks. So you're giving up draft picks to get a guy it made no to sense. draft. Made no sense. You want wait you, if you want hire an interim general manager for one year and the next year he becomes free if he doesn't sign with uh, with Toronto if he doesn't sign an extension with him because his contract's up after next year. So if you want hire a a, a um a temporary general manager and wait for him for a year if he decides he wants to come. I don't know, but but we could we could definitely in the meantime you could find some general managers that can find talent. You got to find the right people, put them in place. They don't have to be a name. They don't have to have relationships with every superstar in the NBA because we know that does not work for us for the New York Knicks. It does not work. And we can we can sit here and, and easily come to the conclusion that Scott Perry is going to be gone. Yeah, I, you know, it, it might be a reassign. Like, Mills was reassigned within the organization. You know, he might be reassigned, Scott Perry, unless he decides to leave on his own. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, it's, it's going to come down to just finding the right guys in the draft. Finding the right players. That's it. You're not you're not bringing superstars here anytime soon. So everybody's got to get that out of their heads. And look, the Knicks have a couple of decent guys, but it's the problem is it's a shooting league, Andrew. It's a shooting league. If you can't shoot 35 footers consistently, you're not winning. You, there's no longer with, with you know a center playing with his back to the back to the basket anymore. That doesn't work anymore. It doesn't happen. It's all about shooting, 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 and more shooting. That's what it comes down to. That's what that's what translates into wins in the NBA now because nobody plays defense, and that and that made me laugh too with the whole D'Angelo Russell thing with the Knicks. Everybody was well, the Knicks weren't interested in it because they felt like uh, as much as he was a scorer and an athlete, uh, you know, he, he he didn't play enough defense. Who the freak plays defense in the NBA? <laughs> if you can't put uh, you. Put it this way, they should just start every game mid-fourth quarter, 120 to 120, and then just play the rest of the five minutes yeah. or eight minutes, whatever, six minutes, whatever the hell it is, and just go from there. Because if you don't score 125 to 130 points, you're not winning. Nobody's playing defense. So it kills me when they say, oh, this guy, he doesn't play defense. Yeah, Nobody plays defense. Hey, hey, but but there, there was a little bit of a breath of fresh air last night. I don't know if you saw probably the most riveting game on, on a Monday night. Between the uh, Hornets and the Pistons, 87-76, final score. It must have been a deflated basketball they were playing with. <laughs> uh, I wanted to get into this, Rob, before we switch gears. We have some hockey we want to get into as well, but I wanted to switch gears because it just came to my attention. Uh, so a lot of people have been talking about Tom Brady, where they think he's going to end up, if yeah. he's going to stay. Uh, he's been linked to the Chargers by some people. Cam Newton has also been someone who's been linked to the Chargers. Well, let's just say Rivers also was, that's it, the Chargers. And it's not, no surprise. No. He well, moved his family to Florida. It's no surprise. No matter where he, whoever decides they want to sign him. So Chargers general manager Tom Telesco came out today, and he kind of shot down the Brady rumors and shot down the Cam Newton rumors. Did you hear what he said today? I didn't hear it, but... Uh, he basically said that they're going to go with Tyrod Taylor this year. No, they're not. His and, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, "We really like our. In, this is a quote. 
We do like our internal options right now. Tyrod Taylor is a player who has won in this league for a long time, and we think he's got a style that fits what he, we can do. He's won? What has he won? He, is, he, is, is he just saying that just to justify what? The guy has won nothing. I don't know. Yeah, has he won a couple NFL games? Yeah, okay. He's won a couple NFL games. I don't think he's but ever he's, thrown for 300 he, yards he, in his career. He's a perennial backup, and, and he doesn't. he's not a good thrower. He's mm-hmm. not a quarterback. No. Good backup to have. Good yeah. veteran backup to have, but... Why he even comes out and says something stupid like that is beyond well, my it get, imagination. It gets better. It gets better. He said, we also have really high hopes for Easton Stick. Easton <laughs> is still a young quarterback that has a little ways to go. We have a lot of confidence in Tyrod yeah, Taylor okay. and Easton. He, yeah, and that's going to sell you season tickets. Tyrod Taylor and Easton Stick. I, I have to be completely... And we always talk about it, Rob. Transparency. I had no, I, I've never heard that name before. Never heard it. Easton Stick. No. I have no idea who that is. Never heard it. God. And and everybody who's so quick to jump on the bandwagon of bashing Baker Sounds Mayfield. like a brand of pine tar or something. Easton Stick. <laughs> I swung an Easton Stick for a while. I did. Back did when I played high school baseball, I swung an Easton Stick for a while. Oh, I did. Oh, my God. I but, mean, what do they try? The fan base must I mean, they have a minimal fan base, though, the Chargers. That's why Brady would make sense there. But I still see Brady going back to the Patriots. The Cowboy thing, forget that. No, I, no. Michael Irvin just loves to stir Michael the Michael Irvin had, like, He's what's a, his know name what said it this morning? I think uh, Boomer said it this morning. He must have had too many vodka sodas last night when he said something like that. They, they're not letting Dak Prescott go. Although, <laughs> they, they're in a bind, the Cowboys. Because I, that guy is not worth $35 million a year. No. Nor is he worth $30 million a year. I don't care what the money looks like for quarterbacks nowadays. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, but that's what he is. He doesn't move the needle. He's a good quarterback, doesn't move the needle. Type of guy, again, has to have a great offensive line, a great running game around them with some really good receivers. He's not going to elevate a team's play. He had had that this year, and they still didn't make the playoffs. And they didn't make the playoffs. (laughs) So there you have it. They put. Look, I don't think he's. I don't think he's bad. They basically took the running game away, and they put the ball in his hands. And they didn't make the playoffs. So, and don't you remember how it was at the beginning of the season? They beat up on Miami. They beat up on they Washington. Up on all and the people were ready to give Dak the MVP. They beat up on all the bad teams. Yeah. That's what they did. They, that's it. They beat up on all the teams. All the teams that were better than 500 or better, they couldn't beat. So they got Dallas is in trouble because, they, again, they drafted very well over the last few years. But now it's coming into the fact that these guys now are playing out their rookie contracts and they all have to be signed. And you see it now between their offensive line. They just signed Jalen Smith last year to a big contract. They got some. They got some big money guys there. And with Prescott, and uh, you just paid Ezekiel Elliott all that money. And now with Prescott, boy, oh boy, they're going to be another team. Like I well, mentioned, the Rams being top heavy. They're definitely not going to. They're going to be top sign, heavy. Sign. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence on the defensive side, no. or Amari Cooper. No, if they keep Prescott, no. Amari Cooper will probably have to let go. Again, I I don't pay wide receivers all that money. I, I you can't. You have to cut it back somewhere along the lines. But to pay to pay Prescott that sort of money, man, that's that money is Mahomes, Russell Wilson type and, money. And this is the reason. This is why it makes it such a weird situation or a tough situation for the Cowboys because you want to keep him as your franchise quarterback, and I get that. But we just outlined how he needs weapons around him. But you're paying him an inordinate amount of money. 
where you can't afford to keep the other pieces around him you need in order for him to be successful. Also, the Cowboys, although they were a 7-9 and team and missed the playoffs, they don't have a high enough pick in the draft to draft another franchise quarterback if they wanted to move on. And if they franchise Dak, which in all likelihood is probably going to end up happening. Yeah, he's going to hold out. All these other free agent quarterbacks, that like this is a, this is as deep as, of a free agent quarterback class as, as we've ever seen in the sport and these guys are all going to be gone on new teams so after you franchise them and if you realize next year that you don't want to move forward with Dak well all these other guys you could have went to are going to be off the market yeah well I, they're probably going to wind up franchising because I, I I don't think Jerry Jones really realistically wants to pay him all that money because a I don't think he in his heart of hearts feels like he's worth all that money and b he probably can't because again you know you're up against the salary cap well, and, so, and when you give someone a franchise tag, you can't defer any of that money. It all, all, it, all, it counts for this year. It's all accounted for this year. Yeah. Yes, but I could also see then Dak holding out. It's like Elliot did. You know, he's going to hold out, and whatever happens, happens after that. I, you know, it's they're in a tough spot, which I don't mind because I hate the Cowboys, so <laughs> I could care less. But just talking about it, it's, a, it's a definitely an interesting storyline. And you know, going back to the whole Brady thing, I, I still see him going back to the Patriots, but. You know, the charges do make sense. He just moved to California, and they were even talking today. Somebody, I think it was Francesa, actually brought up the fact that maybe at some point he gets into an ownership-type stake, and San Diego would make a lot of sense because Brady obviously is a name, and they need to get a fan base there with them because they have really no fan base, the Chargers. Oh, no. And just to bring Brady in just for as a quarterback for a year or two will certainly sell season tickets for them, that's for sure. So uh, it does make sense. Um, Tennessee Titans make sense because of the relationship with Vrabel and Brady again if they do sign Derrick Henry which they have to sign him you know he's got the strong running game there he's got a good receiver in A.J. Brown there's a good team around him so that team could win with him there Brady but I just I don't see him leaving the Patriots I, I don't want to see him leave the Patriots although him going to a, you know another team would certainly be intriguing, Andrew. Right? It would be a little intriguing, and, and I know a lot a little of people, weird. Some but people were floating, some people were floating around Miami too, and then they no. asked Miami's owner, and no, he basically, no, he basically came no out sense. and said, "Why would he want to? Why come would here? he come here? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on, everybody's just they're all spitballing stuff now. It's stupid. Yeah, no, you know, I, but those, I, I those I, the thing too. The, the interesting, the other one is Cam Newton. Yeah, why? You know, if this guy is healthy and he pretty much sat out the entire season. What, he played two games last year before? You know, he called it a day between his feet and and his shoulder. So maybe he's healthier this year. You know, a guy like him going to San Diego, he's only 30 years old. I know he's got a little bit of mileage on him because, you know, he's taken some big hits, but... You could protect that guy. Uh, You know, that's another guy San Diego could bring in too because... He's not, I don't think he's going to be uh I don't think he's gonna be on that roster for Carolina. I, I think well, I think Rule's gonna wanna go another well, the way. The owner David Tepper also made some strange comments too, because Cam Newton earlier in the week said he'll absolutely be back or or late last week he said he'll absolutely be back with the Panthers. And then they asked David Tepper about it today, and his response was, Is he healthy? If he is, then then we can have that discussion. Yeah. So so that's either A, he's not too keen on the idea of bringing him back, or B they're not even entirely sure that he is healthy at this point because he's he's had a boatload of issues. He he's had you know he's got the he's shoulder, had, the knee, yep, everything, yep, the ankle. Yep. But you know, time will tell. We'll see what happens. You know, OTAs, and then before you know it, it'll be July and training camps. And I'm sure you know. I would have to think that a situation like Cam Newton uh, would probably 
be resolved, obviously, before the draft. It would have to be. Um, it, it would be resolved before the draft. Same thing like Brady. I believe there was a deadline of March 16th. Robert Kraft had said, you know, where they want to kind of, you know, either they're signing him or not signing him, and then you got to move on. You can't let this linger. You can't let it linger with free agency coming up. You can't let this linger. You have to make moves for your team. So you can't let one or two guys dictate exactly which way you're going to go. You know, right. it's not the NBA where the NBA players are all dictating where they want to play. No. Yeah. Which is a problem in the NBA. And that's why you have these issues with with uh, um, uh, sagging attendance, sagging ratings. Uh, you know, with the exception of Madison Square Garden, people are not showing up. People are not watching because look what Andre Iguodala did the other day. He basically sat out the entire season and said, well, I want to be traded to the Miami Heat. And he got traded to the Miami Heat, and he got a two-year extension. Yeah, you know this is getting ridiculous now, where these players are calling their own shots. Yeah, that's why they all loved uh, 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 David Silva because he's he's allowing this. You know, so I, it's between that and the load management, it's a bad look for the NBA. You can't have these players dictating where they want to play, and, and that's what's happening. And the problem is, in the era of social media, especially that type of behavior is looked up to like not only is it enabled i think maybe with the younger generation the older generation certainly not well like you had to see know. i mean it just just scrolling through twitter when antonio brown we initially thought that he orchestrated that whole thing to get to the patriots now it seems like he's just went off, no, the, he's deep off end. the deep end he but, needs help and i hope he gets it because it's no longer even a joke anymore with antonio brown everybody looks at the videos some people might laugh make their silly, stupid, sarcastic comments, but he seriously needs help. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. He does need some help. I hope he gets it. You know, It's nothing to laugh about with him anymore. But when he first orchestrated, or we thought orchestrated, that, that deal to New England, I mean, you had to see the NFL players, the players like speaking towards Brown, way, way to control your destiny, young king, and things like that. And and like that that type of stuff is encouraged. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable how entitled these athletes think they are nowadays and how that type of behavior is encouraged. I'm going to go where I want to go, screw everybody else. And it's not like Memphis is the laughing stock of the NBA. If the playoffs started today, Rob, they'd, they'd have an eight seed. Yeah. They'd make the postseason. Yeah. I mean, the Heat are a little better, and obviously Iguodala gets the extension there. But, yeah. I mean, to just flat out bail on a team when they're fighting for an eight seed in the playoffs and you walk around like you, you know what don't stink when at the end of the day you're a 10th man. I mean, the Heat are dumb for giving him that money. At this point in his career, he's, a, he's an 8th or ninth man off the bench at best. But that type of stuff is encouraged. And now Iguodala looks like the smart one when in actuality, he was just being a jerk. That's what he was doing. Yeah, line up in the NBA with jerks. I mean, that's why, again... You know, there's a lot of people now that have kind of turned in their back on the NBA, and you see it, so, and that's what happened. So, all right, we'll get into the, uh, oh boy, I don't even know if I want to get into this because <laughs> I don't need any more stress in my life than what I've had the last couple of days. So, uh, boy, oh boy. Lay it on us. You know, this whole technology thing going on in sports, I mean, really, between baseball with the with the velo and the launch angles and all that crap, man, I can't take all this stupid. I, I read all these different stats. I don't know what stat is what. You know all these dopey technology. You know the the, the spray charts and all this crap in baseball. I guess you have to deal with it. But now the problem, and I could see it in baseball because baseball you have 
you have your passionate fans. You can have your borderline fans. You can have your fans that just want to watch a game because it's baseball. It's a nice day. They turn the TV on. They're outside drinking a beer at a barbecue. Watch a baseball game or go to a baseball game because you're outside enjoying the sun on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. You bring your kids there. So I, I get whatever things they want to maybe do, but not hockey, man. And I'm reading about it. And it's just, it, it nauseates me. It nauseates me, Andrew. All this new technology they wanted to bring into hockey, which it, it doesn't make any freaking sense. So do, do you want do you want me to read off to everybody what exactly this is going to be? Yeah, read it off. Because if I read it off, there might be F-bombs on here. And <laughs> we'll have the FCC coming after us on a podcast. So this is an article that's actually on NHL.com. Uh, the NHL plans to deploy puck and player tracking technology for games this season. Uh, the puck and player tracking system can track pucks at a rate of 2,000 times Ugh. per second in real time with inch-level accuracy, Commissioner Bettman said. Oh, will instantaneously detect passes, shots, and positioning precisely. It will be equally accurate in tracking players, their movement, their speed, their time on ice, you name it. Being on the forefront of innovation is good for our game and most especially for our fans. So the NHL and player puck and player tracking technology will include 14 to 16 antennas installed in the arena rafters, four cameras to support the tracking functionality, one sensor placed on the shoulder pads of every player on each team, and 40 pucks manufactured with a sensor inside for each game. The technology is to be deployed in all 31 NHL arenas at some point during the 2019-2020 season. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to enjoy it when when Panarin just Panarin gets a hat trick and he comes out on his next shift and flames are shooting out of his ass because <laughs> he's on fire. You know, he gets a hat trick. It, it's so stupid. I understand the technology part of it. I, I, I understand it. But to try and sell the technology part to bring in fans, the one thing, and this is why I love hockey the most, is that the fan base is a passionate fan base because you either love hockey or you don't love hockey at all and that's the bottom line you're not getting a borderline fan to just maybe if the Rangers are involved nobody's going nobody cares if the Islanders are in the playoffs nobody except for the Islander fans if the Rangers are in the playoffs and I know this firsthand from going back to 94 because I have a story about 94 when I went to Baltimore but you're gonna get a passionate fan base to root for the Rangers in the playoffs. You'll get regular people that never watch hockey games to root for the Rangers. You are not getting these regular people that don't watch hockey, that can't understand hockey, to watch hockey all of a sudden become a fan because all of a sudden now you're, you're going to tell me how many miles per hour Mika Zabinijad is skating or, 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 or a pass that Tony D'Angelo made to Capo Caco up the ice, what the speed of that pass was. Passionate, real hockey fans do not give a crap about that. Am I wrong in saying that, Andrew? No, it's the same situation as the MLB. No. You're trying to cater to an audience who's not going to watch your spot and to begin to not going to watch your sport to begin with. And I want to get into one more quote in this article. This is Commissioner Bettman still, but this is a quote. But now in the era that we're in, the opportunities are limitless. If you're a millennial or a Gen Z in particular. You're consuming sports differently than it's ever been consumed before, and we're going to be right there for you, giving you what you want. That's that's just 
That's just ignorance and not knowing what your fan base wants. Yes, people are consuming sports differently than it's ever been consumed before. Because, Rob, I'm sure back in the 1980s, you couldn't watch the Mets game streaming it on a cell phone, right? No. We all know that you could Which couldn't. is fine. I, I get, you know, the whole streaming, watching a game. Yeah, that, that, that's I, how the sports I, I, are getting consumed fine. differently. But all this other crap where you're going to start sticking uh, these little plastic devices and in, in, in the sweaters in the jerseys of the players and, and tracking them and they're going to be lighting up and you're going to be able to track them. And it just, it, it's, it's so stupid. I, I hate it. I seriously hate it. No, I, I, I don't need some Yahoo sitting next to me at a Ranger game, picking up his device. Oh, look at this. He made a pass 22 miles an hour onto the stick of Capo Caco with 6.32 accuracy. Oh, look, we could use a protractor and we get out of here. Cause I'm going to punch him in the face. It's just enough. We don't need this in hockey. Keep it out of hockey. Leave hockey for the people that love hockey. Those are gladiators on the ice. These guys take pucks and sticks to the mouth. They get 24 stitches on the bench, and they're out there for their next shift. We don't need your technology in this game. Leave it alone, because the people that love hockey love hockey, period. Is there anybody out there that watches a hockey game and says, gee, you know, this game is really uninteresting to me, but... If there was a protractor that told me how fast that pass was thrown, I just draw protractors. <laughs> if, if there if there was some type of radar gun that could tell me the velocity of that pass, then maybe I would tune in. Has anybody oh. ever said that? No. No chance. No. Come on, leave the game. No. I don't understand what this stupid stuff is all about. Nobody cares. You're not going to bring in any new fans. What? When it first comes out, somebody's going to look at the screen. Oh, well, look how cool that that is. Yeah, you can see how fast the pass was thrown. Oh, you can look how fast he skates. Oh, okay, cool. And then that's the end of it. You're not going to gain any new listeners, new followers, new watchers. Nobody's going to go to an arena and watch a game in person because of it. Sports is being consumed differently than it's ever been consumed before because of technology. Yes. But it's being watched on different platforms. And, you know, we're not like... We're not like flying on a spaceship and like dropping into the arena and and invisibly skating around on the ice watching everybody play. Like th- this is not next level stuff here. What? Because I'm watching the game on my phone rather than on the TV. We have to we have to bring t- technology into everything. Come on, it's idiotic. Just stop. Leave the game. And it's the same thing with baseball. It's it's we don't we don't want all this technological crap. It's not our fault. You don't know how to market the game properly. That's what it is. You, If you knew how to market the game correctly, you might be able to gain some new fans. But including technology and giving us these meaningless stats are not going to draw any new fans into this sport. It's just not going to happen. Never. Never in a million years is it going to happen. No. No. It, it, you might get a handful of fans maybe from this, but to sell the game with this technology like this, it, it, it's just not going to work. And look at the stuff that they're doing in baseball with the stat cast, right? I think some of the numbers are cool. Like, we're able to see how, you know, how hard to throw it. You know, a left fielder throws someone out at home plate. We get to see how hard his yeah, throw was the home plate. Yeah, I'm not into that, though. I'll be honest with you, Andrew. I just, I, to me, just him throwing a guy out at home plate is enough for me. I don't need to see how many miles per hour he made that throw and what accuracy and the arc and the launch he had on it. See, I don't need to know all that. I don't need to know all that stuff, need, but I think it's, it's kind of cool. It's taking up like, too much space. You know, my brain is, is filled up as it is. And <laughs> and getting a little older, it probably, it shrinks. 
So I can't absorb as much information as maybe a younger person can. So I need limited information on a TV. I just need to see the people. I need to see the players. I need to see the ball, the bat, the puck, the football, the basketball, whatever it may be. I just need to see that. I need to see the play happen. You fill me up with all that information and and my brain's going to go on overdrive. <laughs> it's it's I can't absorb it. I can't absorb it. I can't absorb it. But it's I, just not I, good. I do think though. All I'm saying as a younger person, all I'm saying that is, is if Aaron Judge throws someone out at home plate and they say that throw was 98 miles an hour, I'm going to say, "Oh, wow. That's a pretty hard throw." And that's it. I, I, I don't frown against them showing that statistic, but my main point is that them thinking that that meaningless number that Judge threw the ball to home plate at 98 miles per hour is going to draw in a new audience, I mean, it's just moronic. It's dumb. It's stupid. No. How can you get any dumber? No. I mean, again, baseball probably has a better chance using the technology and all these different numbers and stats and whatever the crap they give you out there now. With hockey, again, it's not going to happen. The only time you're going to get, and there goes Andrew's ice, hitting against the sidewall of his Yeti mug. My apologies. <laughs> so that wasn't me. I'm not banging a table. That wasn't me. So I don't want to get blamed for drinking the water with the ice in the Yeti. But that was my that was my hint. We don't bang the trash can. What I do is I put the ice against the Yeti. That's yeah, my cue for he's Rob got his to own shut cue. up. <laughs> <laughs> You better better you better get it through. You better get crazy glue then. <laughs> it's not working because he's still going. But again, but with, with, with hockey, you're going you're going to get the. In, if the Rangers are in the playoffs and make a deep run, you'll find everybody out there buying Rangers shirts that are not fans of hockey. But because they're involved, they're going to watch it. And all of a sudden, they're going to pretend to be fans. But come the next September, October, they're going to forget all about it. So that's what happens. You're not going to you're not going to draw many people in hockey with all this technology, and I know that firsthand. I I was I went to I'm going to tell you a quick story because I got to put this story out here because I don't think I ever told you this story. Buckle up. So 1994, so. the Rangers obviously playing in the Cup. So it was around February March. Camden Yards, I believe, was just about open for a year or two, maybe or whatever around that time. Okay. Relatively brand new stadium, and the Yankees were playing a series in June against the Baltimore Orioles. And we had planned this trip like February, March, not even thinking about this whole thing that the Rangers may be being in a cup. You're just not thinking about it. So we planned the weekend to go there, which happened to be the weekend of the Stanley Cup. Now, I already had this planned. We had the hotel, everything. We were going another couple, blah, blah, blah. Yankees, Orioles. Uh, in fact, my friend's uncle wound up getting us seats in a suite in Camden Yards. So we had the whole thing going on. So we stay in a hotel across the street, the Marriott we stay in. And we get there and we realize the Yankees are staying there. It's directly across the street from Camden Yards. The Yankees are staying there. So all the Yankee fans are there and I'm surrounded by all this. Meanwhile, I got the Rangers I'm involved in. And at the time, the Rangers were up, I believe they were up three games to one at the time. And they were playing game five or game six. I think it was game five. They were playing... uh, um, uh, at the garden. So I'm there and I got my, my, my Ranger hat. It might've been game six. Actually, I got my Ranger hat and I'm wearing, I got my Ranger shirt because now I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to watch game. I believe it was game six. I'm going to have to watch game six here in Baltimore without all my people and all my Ranger fans, you know? So I'm like, Oh my God, I'm almost hoping the Rangers losing away so I can be back home for game seven. Cause I knew the Rangers were not going to lose this series. 
So anyway, I'm walking around. I'm in the hotel. And <laughs> Friday night comes. We go to the game. We go back to the hotel bar to have a few drinks. Some of the Yankees are in there. And Michael Kay's in there. And I'm across the room. And I know you like Michael Kay. I love him. Yeah. So my wife turns to me. She goes, is that guy? And I'm wearing my Ranger hat, my Ranger shirt. Is that guy pointing at you? I look. I said, yeah, that's Michael Kay. And I see. I look. And I kind of point at myself like you point. He was like, yeah. And he was waving me over. So I walk over to the bar. I says, how you doing? You're Michael Kay. I said, I'm Rob. Nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, I just want to talk Ranger hockey. He goes, I never really watched hockey before, but I am so into these playoffs that it, could you have a drink with me? We could talk Ranger hockey. I said, yeah, I'll talk to him. So I talked to him about 15 minutes. Very nice guy. And that was it. I kind of went on my way and that was it. So the next morning comes. It's Saturday morning. We wake up. We meet downstairs for breakfast. All the Yankee fans are downstairs. They're all waiting for the Yankees. And they're all waiting for Don Mattingly. Or they want his autograph, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing. So we go to breakfast. And after breakfast, you have a hearty breakfast. What does a guy do? He buys the newspaper. Because back then, you had to buy a newspaper to read it. You couldn't read it online. I say, I'm going to upstairs to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. And I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cheek rattler. It's the cold sweats. I remember this story, but I, I it, forget it, the details. It's, it's like that, my friend. It's that bad. So I get onto the elevator. I'm just praying to make it up to my room at that point. I get off on my floor. I'm walking towards my room. And who's walking towards me but Donnie Baseball himself, Don Mattingly. <laughs> now he stops me. And I, I have a, a, a probably a look on my face of like, Please let me go. <laughs> I, I need to get out of here. And he starts talking about the Rangers, how, how he's into it, how excited he is with the city, with the Rangers, bringing all the excitement to the city, how he's loving watching the games and he's taping the games or whatever he's doing to watch. And I kind of blow him. I'm like, listen, Don, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry to blow you off. This is me now blowing off Don Mattingly <laughs> to go to the bathroom. And he starts, he pretty much chuckles, laughs. He goes, I understand. And I go on my way. Go to the bathroom. I proceed to come back, finish, go to the elevator. Who's in the elevator? But Gene Michael now. <laughs> the late Gene Michael. <laughs> now I see Gene Michael in the elevator and he starts talking to me about the Rangers because I got my Ranger hat, my Ranger shirts on at all times. He starts talking about how pumped up he is, blah, blah, blah. So now I go downstairs to the lobby. All these people are all waiting for the Yankees to come out. Mattingly, this one, that one. I tell my friends and my wife, I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to go work out a little bit, maybe sit in a sauna a little bit, blah, blah, blah. I go downstairs. I sit in a sauna. Who comes in? Scott Kamenicki, who used to be, he was a pitcher in the Yankee rotation, like a back-end starter, but he was pretty good with them. He pitched for a few different teams. He gets in. He's a Red Wing fan. We start talking hockey. Who comes down off the elevator, jumps into the spa, Yes, Don Mattingly. <laughs> Mattingly proceeds to ask me, how did everything go? <laughs> I'm like, Don, there's not too many people upstairs that would blow you off. I said, I know they're all Yankee fans. I said, but sometimes you just, it, you know, God comes a calling, man. There was nothing I could do. And he, he gets a chuckle out of it. But these people start finding out where Mattingly is. He comes downstairs. Now I'm in the tub with me, Mattingly, and Kamenicki, just hanging out. <laughs> You know, I don't ask for autographs. I'm not asking for pictures. He's blowing them off. No, I'm with my friends right now. I'm with my friends. And here I am <laughs> with my them. arms outstretched <laughs> that all of a sudden my friend Tommy comes down and Don Marley looks and he goes, oh, another one coming? I said, no, that's a friend of mine. I'm like, Tommy. And he looks. 
He immediately looks and he's got this look of like, what in the hell <laughs> is going on? Is going on. <laughs> so that was my story. It's, it was always funny. I tell that story a lot and I figured it could, you know, well, pass speak, a few minutes away. I, I, good segue here. Speaking of the Rangers, Chris Kreider just scored. All right. Forget the Rangers a nice there little 1-0 lead. Kreider improving his trade stock or maybe improving his contract terms? I don't know. I, I tell you, day by day, I have a different opinion about... I've I've always felt that they should trade Kreider, but day by day, I have a different thought of what I think they're going to do. And, and I'm looking on Twitter right now, and people are going absolutely berserk. About what? About Kreider's goal, apparently it was it was a really really nice goal. I know uh, Chris Kreider, what a goal! Holy expletive! Wow. Well, that's R- good. Because- and then Rick Carpin- Carpiniello, who writes for the Rangers for the Athletic, tweets out, "Probably want to get that guy signed." Well, you know, with technology now, we could see you know how fast he was skating, and you know what, you're right. How quick he let me, released let me the get puck. that information for yeah, you. Yeah, let's let's get all that. We could see Kreider maybe light up like a light bright set. Let's get the information that matters. You know, we, we could do that. So, all right, so we'll look forward to that video when it comes out. But uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Kreider, it's going to be an interesting case. Certainly will. Moving forward, we got the trade deadline is what about February twenty fourth. We got that. So f- fourteen days. So two. Yeah, we'll be two, right into the heart of weeks uh, from yesterday. We'll be was. right into the heart of uh, spring training with the the Mets and the Yankees. Yeah. So yeah. pitchers and catchers reported. And you know, I was uh, looking at the Mets roster. It's a good roster. It is. It is a good roster. You know, all things being aside, if we can get rid of all get all the negativity, like I've said before, we got to get rid of that and just look at the players because the players have nothing to do with what happened with Beltran or Steve Cohn or the Wilpons or anything else like that. The players are our players, and we always root for the cloth. So, you know, those are our guys. So you look at the Met roster. Obviously, you look at the Yankee roster, and it's dominant everywhere you look. You know, you have the Paxton injury, big deal. But otherwise, they're stacked, the Yankees. And, you know, it's a matter of what they're going to do with Anduha. I mean, those are, those are good problems to have, right, Andrew? It's a good problem to have. You're going to put him in left field, going to put him at first base. Like the Mets now to, uh, telling Cespedes they wanted to take balls at first base. They want yeah, yeah, J.D. Having, Davis having, to take balls at first two, base. Having two bona fide starting third basemen is a little bit better of a problem than keep figuring out a strategy to keep your players away from wild boars. <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's probably a better problem to have if you're the Yankees. I wanted to ask you, for the Yankees and the Mets, mm-hmm. what you think about the win totals, if you had to, if you had to place a wager. The Mets I've, I've already at, told you. I, I've told you about the Yankees. I, I'm, I'm on record as saying 110. So they're at 100.5, so you would take the over. Uh, 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 that, to me, is a... It's a lock unless unless they they suffer catastrophic injuries, which they did pretty much last year. They and did they were last able to year. survive all they're, of them. They're a better team because right. you know what? Guys like Talkman are going to be on this roster who really proved himself. Urshela, I mean, it, it, this team is is that much better. I mean, to me, their only question mark is if Gleyber Torres can handle playing shorts up every single day. I mean, he was a, a very good second baseman with the glove, but can he, you know? Can he duplicate that at shortstop? Now, I wish that I was able to get my way to a casino. So these over-under win totals were officially announced two months ago. The Boston Red Sox opened up at 93 and a half. Wow. 
I would have took the under even a couple of months ago. I think I still would have taken the under. I think they were probably an 80, 84 to 83 win team maybe. But yeah. now that bets and price are gone, they're, probably, they're, they're more around a 500 team I if they can even get to 500. I, I said it. I told you they'll be a 75, 76 win team. So what do you think about the Mets at 86 and a half? I mean, they won 86 on the dot yeah, last, last again, season. Again, if they stay healthy... They'll go. They should go over that number. See, that's my concern. Is because even though you can argue that a lot of things that could have went wrong for the Mets went wrong last season in terms of blowing games out of the bullpen, but, the fact of the matter is, you can't on a yearly basis rely on your starting pitchers right to, and, to make 154 right, starts, right. which is what that rotation exactly. did last year. It's unheard exactly. of. It's unheard of. Unheard of. Yes. And you, have, but, and you have someone like Waka who's had injury concerns throughout his whole career. That's why they were able to get him on the cheap. Yeah. Porcello's had some arm troubles. But they have that. Well, Porcello could eat up injuries for them. He had some arm. But he, for the most part, he's been durable. Uh, Waka, yeah, he's had some injuries. But at least they have some major league professional starting pitching as depth, you know, with Waka. And even if you had to pull Giselman out of the bullpen for a couple of spot starts, maybe. It certainly beats the alternatives of Chris Flexen and... Walker Lockett and bums like that, uh, you know. What about, so, uh, oh, oh, man. You got to be kidding me. What's the other guy's name who used to make starts all the time for the Mets? <sighs> I'm a, I'm you got to help me out. He was supposed to be the next big thing, and he never he never panned out, and he was just basically a spot starter, ate some innings out of the bullpen. I don't. He, I don't even think he's in the major leagues anymore, to be honest with you. But this is, I, I remember when when back in let's say, 2013 maybe. Remember when all Mets fans would say, just give it a few years. Once all these pitchers come up, once Harvey comes up, once Syndergaard comes up, once Blank comes up, I forget. I forget the name. It, it's. Oh, you gotta be you gotta be kidding well, me. We'll have to look up the uh, see if I if I had my guy outside again like I did, I could have tapped the table and. And, and he, you know what? He was on the team in 2016. Remember when Degrom had surgery, Harvey had surgery. Our starting pitchers at the end of the season were Syndergaard, Lugo, Gesellman, Bartolo Colon, and insert whatever this guy's name is. And I can't. Oh my god. Yeah, last week we had Charlie on the show, and Charlie was talking about how he can't remember anything anymore. I'm 22 years old. This isn't supposed to happen to me. Wait a second. I'm a baseball savant, and I can't remember this guy's name. I know, and we're going to look at it and say, oh, my God, it's this guy. So you said he was on a 2016 roster? I, I imagine he's probably that was probably his right. last season with the team, I would think. Let's see. Maybe 17? All right, so 17 might have been his last year. Oh, I know who it is. Who? Rafael Montero. Oh, you got to be kidding me. How did I forget his yeah, name? See, I forgot he was it supposed too. to be really good. I forgot it too. Yeah, well, according to the Mets, he was good. Don't forget right. that. But that's the, by but Mets the, standards. Moral of the story is that's another name you could throw in there with the Chris Flexens and the and the Walker Lockets of the world. God, you look at Rafael some of the guys Monteros. that they had on this roster in 2016. It makes me. It's going to make you appreciate this team that much more. You My want, God, you, you want it? You want to know? What's Tommy even Malone, more? Tyler Pill. Oh, I remember. Josh Tyler Smoker. Oh my God, oh, I remember. I remember. I remember Fernando when Tyler Salas. Pill. I remember when Tyler Pill first came up and made his big league debut. Oh. And all they were talking about over and over and over again is how this guy is a world-class hitter. And I'm like, that's yeah, great. That's he's great. He's a pitcher. Can he pitch? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he's making a start against the Dodgers who got the best lineup in the National League. And all Gary, Ron, and Keith are talking about is good of a bat this guy had all throughout junior college and playing at Cal State, Long Beach, or wherever the hell he played, and how good of a hitter he is, and he's a switch hitter and this and that. I'm like, great. But he's pitching tonight. Can you tell me if he can pitch? And it turns out he couldn't pitch. 
And that's probably why he's not in the big leagues. And I was wondering because the kid had like a 1.8 ERA in AAA, but he was 30 years old. And right, I was like, well, that's, that's, not, always, that's not good. No, that's not good. But, but if, you want to really, sign. if you want to really get nauseous, this, the team that the Mets took to the World Series in 2015 was not all that great either, if you want me to throw out some names. No, uh, well, because they— do, do the likes of Josh Edgen Josh, yeah. get your blood boiling? Yeah. Or how about the Eric Goodells of the world? Yeah, well, they never had— Or, they, the, or the Sean Gilmartins. They, they always—well, they, oh, Gilmartin wasn't that bad for them that year. He was decent with a couple of spot starts, I believe, Gilmartin. If I'm not mistaken, he gave them a couple of nice spot starts, but you know they they were they were again based on on their pitching, you know starting rotation bullpen, you know was strong for them. So that's what they based it on. You know, Syndergaard had a fabulous year. Uh, you know, Harvey you had Matt Harvey coming off the injury. Right now, if you would have told me this this see this is the most pathetic part of the whole thing. And before we wrap it up on episode seven. If you would have told me that this opening day lineup would make the World Series, I would have took you to a psych ward to have you undergo a mental evaluation. Leading off in right field is Curtis Granderson. Batting second at third base, David Wright. Batting third at first base, Lucas Duda. Batting fourth in left field, Michael Kadire. Batting fifth at second base, Daniel Murphy. Batting sixth in center field, Juan Lagares. Batting seventh in catching, Travis Darnot. Batting eighth at shortstop, Wilmer Flores, and batting ninth on the hill, Bartolo Colon. And that opening day lineup finished 90 and 72, won first place in the National League East, knocked off the Dodgers, went to Chavez Ravine, and won a game five in the NLDS, swept the Cubs, won a, uh, completed the sweep, games three and four in Wrigley Field. And went on to the World Series. Now, well, I know getting Cespedes help there. But. Yeah, but don't forget Daniel Murphy also was on fire in those playoffs. It was unreal. Right. But you I know, think and Cespedes helped, but Cespedes really didn't do a lot in the playoffs. No, he disappeared in the playoffs. He disappeared. And, and Murphy disappeared. No, well, no, he didn't disappear, actually. He played terribly. He had a couple yeah, errors yeah. in the World Series. Yeah, he made he, a couple He propelled of us to the, to the World Series, yeah, but then ended up making errors. Lucas Duda made that wonderful throw home. But listen, this is why the Mets get this this sense of hope every— the Mets fans get this sense of hope every season is because you look at that lineup that made a run to the World Series in 2015, and you compare it to this year's team and even last year's team, and you say, this team is a lot better, on paper at least. This team is a lot more talented. They have a lot more depth. It, it, it's a better team. It, it is a better team. They're, they're a very balanced team. If the bullpen plays out right, and from all things being considered, from what you hear today, they're saying that Batances will be healthy uh, for opening day. So he's no setbacks and he's feeling good right now, they said. So you really have, and if I'm Louis Rojas, I'm not naming a closer. Anybody can close a game. You got Lugo that can close a game. You got Diaz that can close a game. I mean, even though he last I'd say year, I, I think I give it to Diaz to start you, the season, though. I think you, you have. Right, but you have Batances there. You don't have to lock him in. I have to say though, look at Batances' numbers when he was a closer for the Yankees. I, I they're, understand. They're horrendous. I understand. He was a good eighth inning guy. Yeah, I understand. But you know, he still he still has done it. Justin Wilson did a good job last year closing some games for them. So you have guys that can close some games. I think you just have to stop with this Lugo being used and then being unavailable for the next two days. Well, that, that's, only that's, because of, that's only because of his ligament. He's got a partially torn uh, ligament in his elbow. Well, you know how so you, you, know he how can't you avoid warm that? Up. He can't do that two days in a row. You know how you avoid that? One of these other guys. So, you, so you're, you're, you're going to go into the season with the assumption that Seth Lugo is going to be good. Maybe not as great as he was last season because he was an all-star caliber relief pitcher last season. Yes. 
So he may take a little bit of a step back, but you're going to go into the season with the assumption that he's going to be good. All you need is a rebound from Patances, who was hurt all last season, Diaz, who was horrendous, and Familia, who was horrendous. Maybe get the same season out of Justin Wilson. If you get either of those things, that takes away the necessity of having Lugo throw multiple innings in, in on certain nights. You have more options out of the bullpen. You don't have to use him for multiple innings, which then, in turn, makes him available on back-to-back days. And, oh, it also doesn't hurt to have the starters go deep into ball games, something which is almost unheard of in the major leagues nowadays. But if you wonder why your bull- bullpen fails you, these are some of the reasons why, if your starters can only go five and six innings every night. Now, well, DeGrom his, always goes seven. Yeah, that was one thing that Wheeler was always really good for, Syndergaard too. doesn't, though. Syndergaard's five and two-thirds. And, five, yeah. and my concern is, you know, with Jeremy Hefner as a pitching coach, and even the Yankees— they hired a guy. What was it? Uh, Mark Baker or Mike Baker? I forget a young, the name. You guy a, from Michigan. Yeah, a young guy, another guy with the analytics. This is what you got to be concerned about: is that they're not going to push these pitches. They're not going to be the Leo Mazzonis of the world anymore. Yeah. You know, they're not going to push these pitches because analytics are going to say the third time in the lineup. Well, when he faced the Miami Marlins the last three times, the third time around the lineup, they hit three twelve against them, and blah blah. This is what happens instead of just managing by instincts and your gut we're managing by by numbers and that's a problem and that's why you're not going to see probably maybe a DeGrom will because DeGrom's a competitor and DeGrom will never be asked to be taken out of a game and if DeGrom wants to stay in the game DeGrom's going to stay in the game Mm -hmm. period stop Jeremy Hefner Louis Rojas nobody Brody Van Wagen and calling downstairs into the dugout ain't going to stop DeGrom from going back in the game so that's my concern now with all the analytic part is they're going to be taking away just the sheer managerial skill, you know, of knowing when to trust the guy to go deeper. And again, the, what happens when you have so many dependable arms in a bullpen, you tend to take the starter out sooner instead of letting him pitch into the seventh inning. Because now all of a sudden you say, well, with the deep bullpen we got, you know, we could just shorten this game. Uh, you know, just it's another thing that's nauseating with baseball. It really is. It's just, I'm just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not into the whole bullpen game of guys being wheeled in and out constantly. It, it just slows the game down. It, these starters should be trusted to go. Let them go, man. Let them go. Go seven, eight innings. Jeez. Um, Igor Shesterkin has been removed from the game after oh, taking wonderful. a hit in front of the net. Oh, boy. Looked like he was lobbying to remain in the game, but Henrik Lundqvist has taken over nonetheless after Igor played the first 13 minutes and 56 oh, seconds. God. So I guess he's got to go for the concussion protocol, maybe automatically. Yeah, it was a hit to the head in front. Uh, yeah. Probably, yeah, they're probably not going to put him in because they're going to take caution to the win. He's a young kid, so they're not going to take any chances with him. I wanted to go back to one of the things you were saying, too, about the analytics, and I found, I found this pretty pretty crazy, too, but it's it's believable. So I'm listening to the K show as I usually do every every year, and a caller calls in and asks if they if the major leagues are to enact this new playoff system, right? What would what would go into the decision making in a team's front office as to who they, they want to play? And Michael K said, "You'd be surprised, but the front office department would probably run analytical t- simulations to figure out so which stupid. team they'd be oh, more right. successful against." Yeah, I guess they'll play EA baseball, sport Madden baseball, or whatever the hell it is. Not Madden baseball. MLB sports, the show. MLB the show. They'll play go. it. They'll play it 162 times and see what comes out of it. I, this is what's stupid about it. It's so dumb. 
the whole picking and choosing of who you might play. I hope they don't. I hope they, you know, they, it looks like they're going to put those wild, extra wild card teams in fine. Again, I don't agree with it, whatever. But just get rid of this other gimmick of picking and choosing who you're going to play. It's stupid. It's just dumb. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're going to have to sit there and pick and choose. Unfortunately, it's not going to go away. This is the new wave of thinking, and they're smarter than everybody else. This is the way these front offices feel. Yeah, I mean, at this point, why not just play a round-robin tournament and make every team in baseball make the playoffs? Yeah, that's all. I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a shift, though, because you ever notice, and I'm surprised nobody's ever brought this up. I kind of just thought of it now. Everybody used to say, and one of the strong advocations for the analytics being the right way to go was because the Astros were supposedly one of the more analytically advanced teams and they were enjoying all the success. Maybe they weren't analytically advanced. Maybe they were just cheating. And I wonder if over time we start to kind of take a step back from looking at baseball through this analytical lens because it was a false prophecy that they were so analytically driven. Maybe they were just successful because they were cheating and the analytical view is not necessarily the way to construct a team. Well, one thing that you read today with the Astros because it came out again with this whole Beltran thing, it came out that you know some of the players were trying to stop him. The younger players were intimidated. They were going to get hazed. Brian McCann went up to him and told him to cut the crap. Uh, but it basically, you know, it was at Beltran and Core as the orchestrators, as was already reported. Um, but they were saying that when Beltran first got there, that the Astros had some analytics. They were using a Microsoft Excel that you were able to use with some sort of algorithms, but you couldn't use it during the game or you had to use it at some point. I, I don't know exactly how it went, but... It, it was legal. It was within the legal limits of what Major League Baseball allows. And when Beltran went there, he said, enough of this crap. I got another way to do this. And this is how we're going to do it. And from all accounts of what you read today, you know, this Beltran, as far as everybody making him out to be some, you know, they all, he was like, oh, this guy's such a great guy. He's great for baseball. He's so good with the young guys. That's all you heard about him when, when the Mets were interviewing him, yeah. you know, everybody waxing poetic. But what you're hearing about Carlos Beltran right now not does good. not paint him in a good light no. whatsoever. And the onus has taken has been taken off of Cora a little bit and Hinch a little bit. And the focus is being put on Beltran now because now you're starting to hear more and more stories. And I'm interested, too, if more people don't start speaking um, under anonymity about this. Especially now that... Who would, who would you think would be speaking on the and, uh, players on the Astros you're talking? Maybe not on the Astros, but... Or maybe were on the Astros or something, but... Um, listen, we could... Say, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. There, There's proof. The MLB didn't want to find the proof. They were using oh, buzzers yeah. in 2019. And there's more. There's more that, that, that they haven't reported. The buzzers, they, they spoke about that story the other day with Robinson Chirinos. That's on video. When he took a hard swing and something came flying out of his jersey and landed in front of the, the batter's box and he went to try and pick it up and then it was sticking to his thumb yeah. and he was trying to, you know, and he finally had, I guess, had to tuck it into his into his pocket. But they're saying that that was a device. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, the, the MLB didn't want to didn't want to find anything. I think that's what the problem was. And that's why Manfred didn't go digging deep enough. But listen, 
If these players, there's there might be some players out there. I mean, that's that one pitcher from the Blue Jays, Rob, that's filing a suit against them for yeah, changing the yeah, entire trajectory I mean, of his career. Yeah, that, that's just a little, you know, that's a little. He's going to win. He's going to win. You know what? Major League Baseball will probably give him money to shut up and not even go far with it. That's what's going to happen. Well, he would, and that'll be a win someone, for him. Someone, I forget who it was, but someone had published but a whole article. But if that's article. the case, Andrew, think about it. Everybody in the Major League could sue. You're opening up avenues are that... You, uh, I, that's why the Astros are in deep trouble. That's why the Astros are in deep I trouble. Mean, I, don't think there's, it, I don't think they're doing it without any merit. This guy... I mean, someone published an article where he calculated how many trash can bangs there were per game. And the game in which they utilized it the most... And for the most different batters was this particular game against the Toronto Blue Jays where this kid pitched in. He threw a third of an inning and gave up five earned runs, and he has yet to pitch in a big league game since then. He has not been back. He was demoted the next day, released a month later, hasn't been signed since. And and let me tell you something. You're just opening you got, up. You're opening up. A, you're opening up an man, avenue Pandora's for other box. other players to potentially sue. Another avenue you yeah. have to look at too is what about people who are gambling against the Astros? People were gambling on the Astros I to know, lose. I know, but you can't do nothing about that. And it's the same thing when people are saying, well, they should take away their World Series titles. I mean, how are you going to do that? You don't know what other teams might have been cheating too. You don't, you know, there were other teams. I'm sure they weren't playing on the level. Uh, I've told you that before in the past, Andrew. They haven't been playing on the level. Other teams probably not to the extent where the Astros did it, but they haven't played on the level. You're just opening up Pandora's box. Yeah, they could file lawsuits all they want. This kid could file a lawsuit. In my opinion, I think Major League Baseball just say, listen, name your number, we'll give it to you, and please just drop it. Because if you take this to court, <laughs> I I don't know. This, this, first of all, Major League Baseball does not want this because, to be honest with you, they didn't do a full investigation, Andrew. They, did, no. they went up into a certain line and said, okay, that's enough. Let's cut it off. We have enough. But there was plenty more. Right. Plenty more from all accounts. And we still haven't heard the Red Sox. Yeah, they're saying maybe next week. Did this part of you think that the MLB came out with this whole supposed playoff format change just to kind of give everyone the okie doke and get them to been, stop talking about I, the, the I Astros? heard that this morning. That's been said to try and, and, and distract everyone from, uh, from all this cheating scandal stuff. But the more stories that come out that start trickling out more and more, especially today... You, you know, you come out with the whole Beltran story, how guys tried to stop him, and you're hearing all that. Little by little, the Red Sox are going to come out now with a story. They playoff format or not, that's not gonna that's not gonna distract anybody from from the big story, and that's this cheating scandal. And again, it, it's gonna go on all year. Yeah, everywhere the Astros are. I'm curious to see how. Because there's no doubt in my mind that the players are going to try to police this themselves to a degree. And I'm curious to see how the umpiring crews approach games in which a team is playing the Astros. You think there might be like a stop and frisk on a batter in the box? No, the no, umpire frisks him I'm, for a device. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm making I'm, a joke, but just, I, you know that's what like, it would gonna, seem like. They're going to throw at these guys. I mean. There's a lot of guys well, who have a really bad taste in their mouth, I, and they're going to try to police it on the field. I'm, I'm pretty much thinking that Major League Baseball probably, you know, they, they go to each team during spring training. They hold meetings with each team. I would bet that Major League Baseball holds a representative. And I think, what's his name, just took over, right? Brian Schneider took over for Joe Torre, the disciplinarian now. Um, I think it was Brian Schneider no, that Brian took Schneider over. Brian Schneider just took over Luis's, Luis Rojas's whole position oh, the, the No, Mets. who just took over for Joe Torre? Right, he went. He became quality control coach yeah. Brian Schneider. Somebody else just became the new disciplinarian. Joe Torre moved up uh, to work in the commissioner's office next to Manfred, I believe. 
Somebody just took over as the new uh, uh, czar of discipline, as they call Joe Torre. Um, and it was a play. Brian Johnson, maybe? What was it? Brian Johnson? Oh, Chris Young. Oh, Chris Young. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Chris Young. Another ex-Met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. another ex-Met. Yeah. But Chris Young. Um, this is Chris Young, the pitcher, the not pitcher. Chris Young, the position no, player. No, yes, yes. Chris Young, the pitcher. I think we went to Yale. We went to one of the Ivy League schools. But uh, they're going to probably send representatives to each camp and probably speak of this and say, listen, there'll be no retribution. Let's not have this. We can't have a headhunting thing. I don't think anyone. Will, some players won't listen. Yeah, like, I mean, you, listen, like look at guys will, will like they, Trevor Bauer who have a short will, will fuse. They, well, yeah. Well, Trevor Bauer needs to shut up too. He's a bit of a dope, <laughs> you know. But look, if if they get a shot at a guy like Altuve at some point in the game, seventh inning, the game seven one or whatever it may be on either side as far as the score. Do they throw one at him? Right. Why not? It has you know to be what? Lopsided. I don't blame him if they to want lopsided. to. Because I, I, Adam Ottavino was on the K show a few days ago, and he said, listen, I had some control issues later in the season as it is. You think I want to put someone on base? I don't think it was right what they did, but I'm not going to throw at anybody. I, I have well, my own issues that, to worry about. But, you know, look, you get you get, a, you get a pitcher that was in a bad mood, and, and he has a memory, a good memory, you know, with somebody maybe on the Dodges or somebody on the Yankees mm. or – Something to you know if the Dodgers play the when Dodgers play the Astros. What or, happens when Mike Fires pitches against them? You know I've heard things about Fires that it goes back to what I said. There's going to be guys in his own locker room that are not going to respect what he did because it's the sanctity of the locker room. And he again, he's not a hero. He's not a hero. He played on that team. He accepted a ring. He celebrated with his champagne with all the other guys. He went but to a parade. I, I do have to interject, though. Does the story coming out today about Brian McCann trying to put a stop to it and Carlos Beltran just kind of shoving him aside, does that maybe... Because you don't you don't know what happened in the locker room. Maybe Fires did speak up like McCann did and try to put a stop to it and was just kind of alienated. You really don't know. Hasn't said that. He should have said something then. If that's the case and that's your story... But again, if the if the if the if the Astros would have offered him a three year, thirty five million dollar deal, he probably would have stayed with them. That that's that's one thing that you go you know, back he, to, he, and it's it's a good yeah. Point. He would have stayed with them. So yeah. I'm still not going to absolve him of being a rat because that's what he is. He's a rat, so he's no hero. To me, the onus is on all of Major League Baseball. They knew what the hell was going on. They were warned. So it's. This goes deep undercover, man. <laughs> and I know we spoke we spoke about the uh, how you wanted to go to Yankee Stadium to, I'm to see the Astros. You, I really do. I, I well, the really... Astros do not go to Yankee Stadium until the final Yankees homestand of the season. Wow, mid September. Imagine if that means something. Could you imagine yeah. if the Astros are on the brink of the wild card? Maybe they're not in division contention, but they're in the brink of the wild card. And the Yankees will probably be going away with the division as it is. Oh yeah, but you yeah. know. I, if I'm a betting, I'm, I don't really bet baseball at all, but I would bet the Yankees in that series, I'd probably mortgage my house that the Yankees would destroy them in that series. Because you know the Yankees want retribution in the worst way. Absolutely. And again, and I, and up, I, and I think, wait a second, let me just say something real quick here. You know, the Yankees hired Carlos Beltran in 2019 also, right. knowing full well what he probably did over there too. This, to me, could not have been some deep, dark secret. There is no way that this stood undercover within the confines of Major League rosters. Well, they they were saying in that article in The Athletic today, they said that Beltron had kept an, 
extremely close to the vest and didn't even assist the Yankees in hiding their signs. Like, he treated it as if it never happened and didn't talk to anybody about it with the Yankees, didn't discuss, because he didn't, he did so not want to give off an impression of him knowing about any yeah. shady so stuff that was say. going on. So they say. So I don't know. Say. I don't know. But then you go back to Cora's comments during the London series, and it seems pretty fishy what he says about Beltron, about how he was the yeah Yankees with the device. Well, you know the you know the devices with his air quotes. I mean, it's there's going to be more coming out. This yeah. is we're not only gonna, getting a we're only getting yeah. a snippet of it. Believe me, there's going to be more coming out. Absolutely, and it it pretty much it's it derailed AJ Hinch's career. Although I think I think in light of things recently, I think AJ Hinch is looked upon differently now a little bit. I don't think he's gonna be blackballed as much. I, I, I think Alex Cora definitely will. But it seems like Hinch maybe tried to put a stop to it, but at some point, what do you do as your manager? Let me tell you something though. I don't know. If, if they're able to somehow prove that there were buzzers being used, he'll be he'll be done. There's no way yeah. he'll ever get back into baseball. And if you listen yeah. to his interview with Tom Verducci on MLB Network and Tom had asked him whether or not they were using buzzers. And he didn't give a yes or no answer. He said the commissioner's office did a thorough investigation and didn't find anything. Again, paraphrasing, he said something along those lines. But if I think, I, and I had this conversation with my father before. I think the buzzers are worse than the trash can banging. I mean, they, they're both cheating because there's technology involved. But I think using the buzzers is a little bit worse. Yeah, yeah. And if, if, yeah. if you're being accused of doing something worse than what you got caught doing, and you're not guilty of it, I would think that very adamantly you would say, no, we didn't use them. And he did not go that far. And and part of it is, A, you could look at it as he didn't want to lie because he knows that there was something going on, or B, he just didn't want to give that that large of a comment. He didn't want to give material that could potentially be taken out of context because he wants to get into the baseball circle again once his suspension is up. I tell and you, he didn't want this to, might be the worst scandal Major League Baseball has ever had. And go I, back and, to the Black I, Sox. I know I said this back. before. They're, the MLB it's, is so lucky that Houston did not win this season. And Washington won. Because then you would have had three consecutive champions that were caught up in this big in, cheating in this, scandal. Yeah. But although it is a little fishy, though. But having two out of three is pretty bad. But we still haven't heard anything about the Red Sox. It really makes me raise my eyebrow as to what they're trying to do. If they're, if they're testing, if they're kind of, you know testing the market and seeing how everyone reacts to what they did with the Astros or if they really can't find anything. I don't know what the hell is going on, but we were expecting, I remember we spoke about the first episode that you mm-hmm. and I had recorded yeah. was the day after the Hinch suspension and Lunau suspension were announced. Yeah. And we were discussing getting together in the morning and recorded. And I said to you, nighttime would be better. I have a feeling the Cora suspension is going to be handed out. And that's what? Three, four weeks ago now, yeah, and we still month. haven't heard a word. Not a word. No. I, you, you, I don't understand why he's taking this long. I'm sure they already had the information that they want. Maybe they're trying to put it into the. Maybe they're trying to cut down the information that they have and just trying to put out there again, like what they did with, did with the Astros, just give you limited. Chris Kreider again. again. Do nothing. Oh, boy. But go oh. ahead. Continue. You got to wonder. What Major League Baseball is thinking about, so I, it has to come out in the next few days because they really, you know, you got to get this out before spring training starts. You don't want this in the middle of spring training, right? You know, all these teams are starting to report. In fact, a lot of players are already in camp already. Yeah. So you know, in the next couple of days, it's, something has to come out. I'd have to think before 
maybe before the holiday weekend, maybe something comes out, you know, maybe Thursday, Friday, maybe you'll start getting some word as far as what the Red Sox, exactly what, you know, how they did it. Um, I mean, obviously there wasn't banging of trash cans. They don't have any of that, I don't think. Audio or any sort like they did with the Astros. So I don't, I don't know. I really, I'm, I'm interested. But even if they can't find anything with the Red Sox, Cora was, again, it was like Beltron's right-hand man in this whole scandal. So he, he'll get in trouble for what he did with the Astros, regardless if they find anything with the Red Sox specifically. Yeah, I just hope you know? this doesn't linger on and linger on. Again, you know, the Astros are going to feel the wrath of, of every single um, team's uh, visiting team's park, you know, where they go visit when they're on the road. Um, actually, I should say a home team that they go. But uh, they're going to feel the wrath of the fans. Not wrath. It's going to be more mocking. You know there's going to be trash cans banging in the stands. People probably wearing devices stuck on their jersey. There'll be there'll be T-shirts that they'll sell with devices taped onto yeah. onto them. You People see what the be Staten wearing Island them Yankees in the stands. No, the Staten Island Yankees are doing a giveaway the night that they play the Houston Astros single A affiliate. The first 500 fans get a plastic trash can. <laughs> They're actually doing. It. I swear. I swear. I saw the uh, I saw the giveaway. The promotional sign on. I'm on telling the you, Andrew. Sphere. We we probably need to be in those stands at Yankee Stadium. But don't you think it's kind of gonna? No, like it's not. It's not still gonna be fresh in everyone's no. mind. It's, no, even though it's September, you still, I, you I still think, think it'll be. Fresh? I think I think there'll be such a buildup. Yeah, that it'll finally say they're finally here. But even if the Yankees are like you said, doesn't running matter. away with the division, hundred four matter. wins, it does not matter. I'm really? telling. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. I think it's probably the Yankee better. fans aren't gonna forget, and it's gonna, and especially if the Yankees have a division pretty much locked up, and again, if the Astros are fighting for a playoff spot. The fans are just going to, they're not, it's not going to be sheer anger. I think it's going to be more comedy than anything. Well, the fan, the fans, yeah, I think it's probably better from a player's point of view that, um, because we spoke about the players are going to have resentment, Andrew. They're going to have have resentment. They're going to have resentment. But if this game was in April, I think there would probably be a lot, lot more policing than the game being in September because they're onto bigger and better things. You got to figure. Mid September, when this final homestand happens for the Yankees, you got to figure. Division locked up. Home field throughout the playoffs, possibly locked up. You know, uh, rosters expanded, star players may be sitting. But Andrew, you know how the quotes are going to go. Leading up to that series against the Astros in Yankee Stadium, it's going to be, well, we're not really, we don't care about that anymore. That's in the past. You know, we're playing this series now because we need to win these games. The Yankees will come off with quotes like that. And then let's say they bury the Astros and sweep them. The, the quotes will be after that three-game series, while we still had it on our minds, yeah, we wanted a little payback, even though you know it cost us the playoffs in a World Series or whatever it may be, blah, blah, blah. But we wanted that payback. So you, you're going to get that. It's yeah. going to happen. They're not going to forget. One quick note before we go. You remember how Jose Altuve, when asked after the game why he didn't want people to rip his shirt off, yeah, and he gave the excuse his, about his wife. His wife didn't want, yeah, we yeah. didn't want him bad chested. Um, somebody, uh, people on social media have a lot of free time. Yeah, someone went on Altuve's uh, Instagram. He's got sixteen shirtless photos on his Instagram. <laughs> so that disproves yeah, that little myth. Let's stop. I mean, again, <laughs> he was wearing a device. There's no doubt. Nah, he's covering up his nipples, his chest. Oh, don't don't look at me. 
I mean, come on. Stop. And then he goes into the into he the runs in to change. To change, yeah. Let when everyone cha- else yeah. is popping bottles yeah. and changing, exactly. and walking around shirtless. Yeah, exactly. Very, very tough to believe. Exactly. So on that note, we will joke. call it quits for episode seven. Uh, we certainly covered a lot. We continue to do it. We bounce around from topic to topic. That's what makes it fun, makes it genuine, makes it exciting, and keeps everybody hopefully on the edge of their seats. Stay tuned to the Twitter account as always at Andrew May underscore twenty one. Again, that's at Andrew May underscore 21. That's where I'll post a link to the podcast. It's where I'll announce when the next podcast will be released and all pertinent information needed um, to listen to the podcast. So we certainly had fun. We'll try to get another podcast in as the week progresses and as uh, more of the position players start to report to spring training. Uh, Baseball season is upon us. NHL trade deadline coming up. I know we've touched on it briefly, um, but Chris Kreider, Henrik Lundqvist, potentially, maybe, not really. We'll see what happens as the trade deadline comes, and uh, obviously the Knicks always find some ways to to help us mention their name in a negative light. So uh, we'll certainly get into all that next episode too. But for Rob Jufre, I'm Andrew May. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on thank episode you, eight. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.